Kia ora, welcome to Power Up Podcast, powered by Venture Taranaki and produced by Raw Collective. We're celebrating the success of remarkable Taranaki entrepreneurs, highlighting their stories and showcasing the best of work and play in this exceptional region. This season, we're talking to trailblazing enterprise owners and founders, young and the not-so-young, in energy, skincare, coffee, engineering, manufacturing and food. And it's no exaggeration to say that some are genuine world leaders in their fields, pioneering positive global change while living the famous Taranaki like no other lifestyle. I'm your host, David Downs. Now let's discover why Taranaki is a region where unique natural and business environments collide, enabling people to flourish, both at work and home. No my, hide my, we welcome you to hear our enterprising future like no other. Today's guest is Kathy from Heringa. Energy has been the backbone of Taranaki's economy for decades, but transitioning to lower our emissions presents a massive global challenge. Heringa is at the heart of that challenge, pioneering a transformation of the energy industry. Specifically, Heringa is dedicated to engineering zero-emission hydrogen fuel and providing the infrastructure needed to deliver it. It's no exaggeration to say that this company is at the forefront of global efforts to produce clean energy. Co-founders Andy and Kathy Clennett started the company after decades of experience in energy engineering, recognising the need for something better. They're in the middle of delivering hydrogen buses this year, and they're a major part of developing a green energy hub in Taranaki. To be at the pointy end of such a global issue is massive, and heading is making some pretty impressive headway. This episode is all about how they've done it, and it's fascinating. Well, kia ora, Kathy. Where have you come from today? Uh, kia ora. I've come from our office at Heringa Energy. So we're located in New Plymouth, just down in Young Street, oh, so just right. down the road. But you're from Tasmania originally, is that right? That's correct. I oh, grew up in Tasmania on oh. a farm, rural Tassie. Is it true that basically Taranaki is like a better version of Tasmania? Oh, I need to be careful <laughs> answering that. <laughs> I, won't, I won't make you go there, then. that's too difficult. So what was it like growing up in, in rural Tasmania? Great. I had, a, in some ways, an idyllic early childhood growing up on a farm and um, getting a lot of experience um, looking, you know, working on the farm with my parents as well as then moving into school into Hobart where I went to high school. And nice. then I guess it becomes limiting though being isolated as you grow up. And yeah. my parents sold the farm and we moved into Hobart in my high school years. Nice. And then you went on to do engineering, I hear, at university? That's right, I did. Yeah. yeah. That's a cool thing. What what led you to that? What attracted you to engineering? Yeah, I liked the technical side. I enjoyed science and maths at school. You know, when I went through school, there was a lot of pressure if you were sort of did well at school that you go into medicine. So yeah. that was sort of the expected pathway and I decided that that wasn't my calling and then looked into what are, what other options were there. So I looked at science law, looked at architecture, which is one of my passions as well, and then um, landed on engineering, which was fairly controversial at the time. There really? weren't many women studying engineering. Oh, I think there's still actually a, a shortage of females in, the, in that particular Definitely. discipline. Yeah. yeah. So good yeah. on you. And then is that where you met Andrew at, at university days? Actually, I met him in my final year of school. So, oh, really? Yeah. Scandal. Yeah. <laughs> we did actually end up studying the same degree yeah. um, and then met up again as professionals working in Melbourne later. Fantastic. We won't go too far into that, I promise. But I'm interested. Um, what did you do after that, after university? 
so after university, I I had worked um, actually at the hydro right through my final year and for my work experience as part of my degree. And then I took a job in Melbourne working for Rio Tinto um, in the resource industry, working on greenfield and brownfield projects around Australia and Southeast Asia. Yeah. I love that phrase, brownfield. Like the entire Australia is brownfields. But that, what that means is it's semi-developed when you started, is it? Or, That's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're uh, modifying existing plants, industrial plants. Wow. So tell me about, you obviously travel around, but I hear you you sort of travelled the world, did little projects in different continents and things. That's right. So I guess one of my passions was travel and I wanted to travel the world and explore and experience other cultures as well. So that was actually one of the big drivers behind choosing engineering as well when I was trying to make that decision is that it's a career that can take you all over the world. It can. Yeah. yeah. And, and doing work in different disciplines in different parts of the world and, and seeing potentially needs that are very different than, you know, in a first world country like Australia. Definitely. So it really opens your eyes traveling and working in other countries. So I spent quite a bit of time in sort of Borneo working in the jungle of Indonesia and quite a change, quite a contrast from sort of living in in Melbourne at the time. And then um, my work took me to North America where I was rolling out some of the first data centers across the United States. Worked in New York City and then moved to Denmark and spent time working in, in Europe as well. So before eventually coming to New Zealand. I was just going to say, you know, Borneo, New York, Europe, New Plymouth. Um, it's a circuitous <laughs> route. Can you tell us yeah. what led you to New Plymouth at the end of it? Well, actually it was uh, an opportunity here through the oil and gas industry. So uh-huh. um, my partner was working in that industry and an opportunity for myself to work in a corporate development role. So... Uh, looking at um, investment and in particular technology investment. So I'd studied a master's in business and technology and I finished that at the Copenhagen Business School. I was really interested about technology commercialisation and that's the area that I wanted to move into, which I did. Um, started my entrepreneurial journey as well and started a mobile network operator company together with... Golly another entrepreneur that I met in Copenhagen. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like you've assembled this incredible set of skills and experiences that really sets you up for heading up beautifully. Like all of these different parts of your life have come together to heading up. So tell us a little about that. You know, you started that up in 2017, I think. What was behind taking a big jump into setting up your own yeah, organisation? It was a real journey, I guess. And the part of the work that I was doing at the time was looking at technology trends, technology investment, And one of the big areas that I believe passionately that we should be investing in is actually clean tech and um, ways to improve the environment and doing that in a sort of socially responsible way as well. So bringing others on the journey and really passionate around the whole ability to decentralise our energy and essentially make the world a better place. So, Isn't that, that's neat. Yeah. And, you, and again, you find yourself with those skills to be able to make it happen. When you first came to New Plymouth, by the way, did you think, oh, this is just another city and then, then I'll go off to Timbuktu or whatever? Yeah, I thought this is, you know, a three-year Yeah, how long's it been now? Uh, over 10. Oh, there you go, good. We can, <laughs> and it's definitely you. home. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's nice to hear yeah. you say. Nice to hear you say. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about heading and give us the sort of the elevator pitch. 
So Hodinger Energy is a vertically integrated energy company, but it's a new type of company using zero emission energy. So we're taking renewable energy that's generated from things like wind or solar and then converting that into hydrogen, and that's called green hydrogen, and that can be used in a number of different ways. So we can decarbonize industry with that. It's a molecule that's used in industrial processes and as a building block for the products that we use, and also it can be used as a fuel, so it can replace diesel and petrol in our transport system, for example. Fantastic. So in some ways it's like a battery. If you thought of you're converting energy from one particular type you know, whether it's wind or hydro or whatever, into hydrogen because then that stores the energy in a way that can be used easily later. Yeah, that's a great way of thinking about hydrogen. I don't think of it myself, yeah. so I've read it on the internet. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically a storage mechanism. It is, yeah. Which is also used, as you say, as an input into other things and you can burn it. And there's a lot of good news about hydrogen. I mean, from my, what I understand, hydrogen has a whole lot of beneficial properties, particularly around emissions. Exactly. So when you use green hydrogen, and it's important that it is green, that it is from a renewable source. Not literally source. the colour green, is no, it? No, it's, it's just, clear, odourless. Okay. Right. <laughs> Not literally green, but it's a name given to hydrogen that's produced from renewable sources. When you use that type of hydrogen, it is zero emission. So you can convert the energy stored in the hydrogen into useful energy for transport and other right. other means. And what's the byproduct? What's the emission from hydrogen? Nothing. Fuel. It's Nothing. Water vapor. So wow. essentially, you combine hydrogen with oxygen in the air, and it releases energy and produces water. Oh, so it H- sounds ideal. H two O. H two O. I've heard <laughs> yeah. of that. That's cool. That'll never catch on. That whole H two O thing. That's. I mean, it just sounds such an ideal fuel source. So I guess the question would be then, why why aren't we all driving around water vapour cars now? Or why is it taking this long? Yeah, there are technology challenges. So a lot of those now are being overcome or have already been overcome. And it's a matter of ongoing improvements and efficiency, for example. I think the biggest barrier is inertia to change in our installed infrastructure. Right. So it's a matter of overcoming those and then building the market and that change. So... Often you will hear with hydrogen, it's all about cracking the chicken and the egg. And what they're talking about is really providing the infrastructure to supply the hydrogen to the market at the same time that the end use applications are coming. So like the trucks and the the buses and, you know. No one's going to buy a hydrogen car if you've got nowhere to fill it. And no one's going to make a petrol station, inverted commas, with hydrogen if there's no cars. So you've got to solve two problems at the same time. But the world's moving clearly in that direction. I mean, the whole COP26 consumer demand and sentiment is all around renewable energy and low emissions. So you're in the right place. We think so. And it's a change that we do as a society need to make. So we need to head in that direction. And part of the impetus for forming Haringa was really around that sense of urgency. So, and in a way, frustration at the lack of change over the past 20 to 30 years. So we, we know this has been on the horizon. We've talked about it for, for the last 30 years, but yep. there hasn't actually been a lot of change. And in fact, we've increased our emissions here in New Zealand over that time frame wow. to where we should be looking at how do we decrease them. And and the clock, we really feel the clock's ticking. So starting a company like Haringa, where our whole mission in life is completely aligned and our profitability is completely aligned with displacing 
the diesel that we're putting yeah. into our trucks and, and that's our company's revenue is dependent on that change. So we're 100% committed. Committed, you're all in. And aligned. All in. And <laughs> yeah. Someone told, a wise person said once that change does not happen incrementally, it changes slowly and then all of a sudden, you know. So there's sort of 30 years of waiting, then all of a sudden a tipping point and suddenly we're all different. Are we approaching a tipping point where suddenly we will see hydrogen cars and other uses? I think so, yeah, which is super exciting. So we are seeing a point where we're bringing the first trucks into the country. Once those trucks are on the road and once the production, that supply is is established, I think we're going to see quite a rapid transition. I guess the barrier to that rapid transition will be actually just the supply of the technology coming yeah. into the into the market. And we're sort of experiencing a bit of that around the supply chains at the moment due yeah. to COVID. So that's probably the only thing that will slow that maybe in the ne- over the next year or so. So New Zealand first got our first hydrogen chuck, I believe, about a year ago, and you started building refueling stations, like physical stations and around the country, or in the North Island at least. So big milestones, big investments, capital investments. I mean, you're now taking a whole other leap in the company, aren't you? We have. It's a huge milestone funding and reaching financial close on the refueling network. So Hurringa Refueling New Zealand is building initially four stations. Uh, we have a government debt facility through ECA for the, those initial stations, and we've secured investment from international investors as well. See, that's a huge vote of confidence then in what you're doing, that you're getting international investment, you're getting government support. People are obviously confident that you're building the right sort of approach. You've set up a clean energy hub in Kapuni as well. What's going on there? Is that a whole other exploration, a new product line? The hub at Kapuni is around accelerating that transition of transport and other applications as well. So Kapuni is really interesting because it's rural. It's a dairy farm that we're building um, wind turbines on, producing hydrogen that goes to the balanced agronutrients plant initially and is used in their process. And that provides, a, I guess, underpins the economics of the project. And then the, the hub at Kabuni is really around refueling supply for trucks and also facilitating other hydrogen uses. So on-farm applications, um, tractors, energy needs for farms and dairy processing, those types of applications. And actually it provides a supply also for sort of trialling the use of hydrogen in pipelines, for example, that could be used for residential homes in the future. God, the more you talk, the more I'm learning. And applications seem vast. You know, it seems like you've you've got opportunity to change the whole way that the power systems work in many different industrial and commercial and residential use how do you make decisions about what you're going to spend your time on? <laughs> With great difficulty, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that is probably the biggest challenge that we face as a company is sort of fairly finite resource that we have available and there are so many opportunities. So the way we've approached it is to look at where can we have the biggest impact in the shortest amount of time. And that's really aligned with our fundamental goals around addressing climate change. So we're only a fairly small company still. We've grown a lot, but we're still have limited resources. And so that's why we're focused on heavy transport. There's a, a really good use case there. There's a a real challenge for the operators. They don't really have a viable solution. And 
we as a society are using those services every single day to keep yeah. homes running, our businesses running. Yeah, freight moving but up and down yes, the country. Yeah. yeah. So it's really the backbone of our economy. And right. So when so, you look at a business decision, it's right, what's the bang for the buck that gets us closer to our mission exactly. uh, of no emissions? Look at that, see what I did there? Of course, it should be in marketing. But, and you've made, the, I mean, maybe it's because of the way we're talking, but it's all sounded very, you know, planned and, and perfect and you've got your strategy plan and your investors coming on board, but there must have been some pretty tough times through this whole thing. Did you ever sort of doubt what you were doing or struggle or worry? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't think there's a startup in the world that hasn't um, had worries and concerns. But I think for us, we did a huge amount of planning up front. We've done a lot of research. It's interesting. We have a strategic horizons that we developed, say, four years ago. And, and actually, we're they're still our strategic horizons, but we just progress further along those horizons. It's definitely been a challenging journey. There's definitely been a lot of highs and lows and a lot of sleepless nights, yeah. that's for sure. And what are, the, what are the sort of the wins when you've had a really good day? What's the kind of thing, what's the win for you that gives you the, excuse the pun, but the fuel to keep going? When you get positive support from your customers, your partners, and of course, there've been some really big wins, like the you know the refueling, closing the refueling, and receiving our funding for that has been really, validates what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, really important too for our whole team to see that progress happening. I bet yeah. this is a gimme question because Taranaki is the energy province, but why here? What what about Taranaki makes this the place for heading a, to set up shop? For us, it is the perfect place. It's a place where there are really good skills and they are translatable to our business, really relevant for our business. If there's one place in New Zealand that there is a need for this transition, it is really Taranaki because it's the, it is the energy province. So in a way it has the most need and it made sense from that point of view. But I think generally it's a good place to do business and yeah. New Zealand as a whole is a good place to do business. But we formed some great early partnerships here as well. So that was a huge catalyst for our business and enabled us to grow. Yeah, I, I, you sort of have grown the business quite substantially. You started in your kind of home office not quite the garage, but a home office, and you've grown to a business that now has national, if not international, interest and impact. So it seems like an amazing experience. Definitely. And I think we, we did start at home. We worked out of our home for quite a long time and still have a lot of that family. We feel like a big family company still, but with that international relevance. That's brilliant. I love it. You're contributing to some a goal much bigger than just running a, a business of your own. New Zealand has a goal. Our government's given us a goal to be zero carbon by 2050. You're clearly making an impact on that. But how do you feel our chances are as a country of achieving that? Well, I'm an optimist, so I think they're actually really good. There are a lot of things that we need to do to make that happen. I think it takes government and private industry and broader community to all work together to make that happen. I think we just need to actually get on, on with making making yeah. those changes. It's definitely achievable. Fantastic. My final question before we get into our final fast four is, what's it like being in a kind of a husband and wife team? Like we haven't talked much about Andrew and he's not here, so, you know, and it's all about you. But what's it like working with your partner in a, such a high growth industry? I think for us it's worked really well. So we've had both our distinct professional careers and have complementary skills. But I think we talked before about what are the challenges and I think that's where it's been very powerful for us because 
it is pretty challenging and it's really long hours. And I think having both of us fully committed to what we're doing has been really powerful. Um, I think if we were, if we had a par- another partner who wasn't interested or didn't fully believe or wasn't fully committed, yeah. it would be very hard to maintain a relationship. Oh, I imagine. I, <laughs> well, I would imagine. Wow. In other episodes of this podcast, we've had coffee people who brought us coffee. We've had donuts people who brought us donuts. Have you got any hydrogen know, for me? I'm feeling like I've uh, let you down. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wanted a free sample, but I must have to put up with uh, yeah. with, with breathing it myself. Yeah, and, and water. <laughs> oh, what? Exactly. I've got some of your byproduct here in yeah. front of me in a glass. That's really good, actually. Um, I'm not sure. Would you stick a glass at the back of one of your trucks and drink you it? Could. You, yeah. you could, in theory. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I'll, there's I'll actually uh, a Hyundai has an ad that... They do that effectively and they've got a fish tank and the fish are swimming around. It's a very effective, you know, in terms of just your average person seeing what, what you're saying, such an effective image is that idea that you're replacing the smelly, dirty, carcinogenic potentially emissions with something that's just so natural as water. So it's um, very accessible. Yeah, and the other really cool thing that about it is that we're using renewable energy here in New Zealand to produce our fuels that at the moment are all imported. So we're importing all our crude oil and the refinery refines some as well, but it's it's an imported fossil fuel product that's being replaced by our own homegrown renewables. So even Great just story. from a yeah, energy resilience, yeah. like, you know, our whole sustainability as a country, it's a great story. It's fantastic. So there, those of you who are listening, get out there, buy some uh, New Zealand hydrogen. Uh, right, we've got our final four, our fast four questions for you, um, find out more, more about you. What excites you most about the future of Taranaki? I think it's the people and what we can do here. I think it's a really energised, um, connected place to live, to work, to create a business. Fantastic. That's a popular one, people actually, popular. Okay, Mythbusters, what, what's some myth that you've heard about Taranaki that's just not true? That it's very insular, it's probably the main the main one, yeah. and a little bit parochial. And I, I don't feel that at all. Having moved here, I just actually was really impressed by the outward lookingness of the people here and the warmth. And I definitely haven't felt that in my 10 years of living here in Taranaki. Glad to hear it. Well, you're very welcome. Uh, So what's your perfect day in Taranaki? What does that look like? Oh, probably running the Pukukura Park with my friends and catching up with uh, my family and friends in the evening, maybe Hopefully the weather's good and some time on the beach. In the, in the Busy surf. day. You didn't yeah, mention work. Hiking. <laughs> yeah, hiking. Not about work. Yeah, actually the reality is usually work. Right, yes. <laughs> this is my dream, dream day. <laughs> so, yeah, you're going to pick a perfect day. It's not go to the office, yeah. shuffle spreadsheets, apply for yeah. grants. No. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say to someone who's considering moving to Taranaki? I would say it's a great place to live and it's a great place to work and you can pretty much do anything here. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thanks to Venture Taranaki for making the Power Up podcast possible. If you're an entrepreneur at any stage of your life looking to get a new venture off the ground in Taranaki, talk to Venture Taranaki. With a network of experts, Venture Taranaki can help with one-on-one startup clinics, mentoring, workshops, connections, business and investment advisor support, all that you need to bring your idea to life. If you're not familiar with Taranaki, come and take a look. 
There's something here for everyone. With the supportive business community, vibrant towns, unrivaled experiences and abundant nature, Taranaki is humming. Your entrepreneurial flair, enterprise and career will flourish here and you and your family can make Taranaki your home. And lastly, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps others find us.